0: exciting episode of palsies with palsies i'm the palsy justin hancock
1: yeah now i'm the palsy becca anderson hey
0: justin hello becca (laughs) guess what What? becca we have
1: another palsy we have another palsy
0: (laughs) (laughs) awesome
1: i'm outnumbered and it's lovely
0: (laughs) well if you're gonna be outnumbered but you know why not us right <laughs> <laughs> we have a guest this week <laughs> our friend seth is joining us from now seth do you live in Tulsa, yeah proper
2: i do i actually live down the street from dylan
0: There's wow it. so that's a wild neighborhood right it's got a lot of character Friend of the show, has a lot Dylan of trouble out there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and Steph, you'll have to forgive me. I meant to do this as we were prepping off air. <laughs> I've been trying to wrestle your last name all afternoon. Help me out.
2: It's Hilsebeck.
0: Hilsebeck.
2: Yep. It's
0: a okay. good, strong last name. There. That's right. right. <laughs> lots, of, <clears throat> lots of consonants. Yeah, yes indeed not not short on emphasis points
2: either okay. oh, my my poor brother his real name his full name is alexander arthur filsebeck he kind of got the short end of the stick on that one
1: yeah that's yeah. that's a name <laughs> right that is it's, quite a name
2: for the long end of the stick i guess
1: <laughs>
2: sounds like a uh a character
0: in, I guess, a Christie novel or something like that. There you go. Well, well, friends, we are so delighted to have Seth with us to uh, do really one of our favorite things on PWP, and that's just hear interesting stories from interesting people with intersections of disability, self-discovery, and just the life journey. life journey. So, Seth, in all honesty, it's an episode I've been looking forward to for a long time, and uh, thanks for coming along for the ride, man.
2: Absolutely. It's my pleasure, man. I, I was really looking forward to it, too, from you know, the first time we kind of talked about it. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, thank you for so much for being here. I'm I'm very excited because uh, Seth knows uh, Justin and Dylan uh, decently well, and and so they they've heard some of his story, and, and I haven't. So this is this is new to to me and to you, yeah. uh, audience friends. <laughs>
2: Yay!
0: And before we dive into the interview proper, I suppose I will. Um... I tell our audience how Seth and I got connected. We are a part of what I would call a disability support and empowerment group uh, for entrepreneurs and leadership, uh, leaders with disabilities. uh, Sauntermore? Sauntermore? Yes. Sauntermore. Yes. Hosted by our friend.
1: Oh. listeners might remember uh we we talked about it with dylan when when he was on the podcast uh, yeah. that's right yeah so that's yeah. Uh, dylan's uh work that that he does that is that is so incredible and that uh seth has, has been a part of
2: yeah i'm 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 really uh happy and honored to be uh a part of you know sort of the groundbreaking part of that and mm-hmm. and really proud of my friend for all of the hard work that he's put into that so Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting to see what, what what could happen with this
0: and thank you for reminding me of episodes of our show that i know i was in the room
1: for <laughs> <laughs> It's okay, Justin. It's uh, you know I I'm from an alternate universe, and sometimes there's an alternate universe version of you that just reaches in and steals your memories.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the one, and that's the one. We're <laughs> and with. that's
2: why
1: Justin may or may not remember things that happened on previous episodes.
2: <laughs> Indeed. That's why he's so, got you. I, yeah,
0: that, and as I said off air, a multitude of other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but Between Rebecca and my wife Lisa, I can almost remember to put my shoes on every day. <laughs> <laughs> almost. <laughs> He's getting there. Nice. So, um, uh, Seth, you had such a uh, an interesting and unique story to tell that I've gotten a chance to learn uh, through our work with saunter more uh but yeah. i really want to give our our listeners a chance to, get to know who you are so i'm gonna be quiet for a while and kind of let rebecca ask uh a lot of the questions and let you tell your story and take us on a journey man
2: great let's do it
1: yeah so yes yeah, as, as we were uh, you know talking a bit about uh off air, you know, I I'm very intrigued uh, to to learn more about uh, your perspective uh, on disability growing up, Seth, and and uh, yeah. you know what what your upbringing was like, because uh, you know, I fr- from the little I've heard, it is very different from what uh, many disabled people experience as uh, as young people. So yeah, uh, yeah, if you want to start us off, that'd be awesome.
2: Okay, yeah, um, so yeah, I was I was born in 1981. Uh, in Tulsa, you know, I'm a, I'm a Tulsa native. Um, mm-hmm. I was, you know, born at St. John's Hospital, um, and kind of from a, a very early age, they they were noticing there were some slight, uh, you know, just developmental shortcomings, you know, that I was having, and uh, my my parents were, they were kind of sort of stumped and frustrated because uh, I couldn't get a proper diagnosis on my condition uh, Mm -hmm. from an early age. I was actually, I was just talking to my mother about this again, because I was um, trying to, you know, pinpoint certain things on the timeline and uh, making sure I was accurate with what I'm about to say, sort of thing, you know. (laughs) Uh, But she reminded me that it took nine months for us to finally figure out that I actually had spastic diaplegic cerebral palsy Mm. and it actually took four different doctors to come to this conclusion so oh wow I mean you can only imagine the emotions that they were going through and and then they finally found a really nice it was just she was just a pediatric doctor but she had you know uh, proper training in uh, diagnosing certain conditions like like what I have and so I, I, uh, I have a you know, mild case of spastic uh, cerebral palsy. And so uh, I, I ended up having uh, a couple of surgeries early on to help with just movement and flexibility issues. Uh, I had my uh, hamstrings and also my hip flexors done at ages three and four Mm. so that was you know Mm. very young um Mm -hmm. and then so after the uh second surgery is when they really started to try and get me more ambulatory because i was um i was in you know i was basically in a stroller for the first three to four years of my life whenever i was you know out of the house kind of thing Mm. um and you know, I, I always say my mom is, she's super mom (laughs) and she's, she's a, a, a a real champion of a human being. Mm. Uh, so I have two younger siblings. Uh, they are, you know, my best friends Mm. and we've, uh, always been very close as a family growing up. You know, I have two amazing parents and and they from the get-go you know they just let me be whatever i was going to be you know and they never really let anything Mm. get in the way of that and they also made sure that i had the proper you know developmental care they got me into uh physical therapy at a very early age Mm. and i had some you know amazing physical therapists here locally in tulsa that i mean i had uh, a couple of them I I she reminded me I saw from age two to like 12 years old wow so mm-hmm. you know they they really helped me along the way in anything you know in any way that they could so you know that that just that just played a huge part in the kind of foundation of just me being me you know um and I, I finally at age four, she, you know, I, 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 I remember this one, I, I finally got my first walker mm. four years old and I had other things around the house that I was, you know, practicing with, like, you know, with movement and balance and things like that. And then finally I got, I got that walker and then it was on like donkey Kong, you know? So <laughs> Yeah. You then, were off. Yeah. I was off to the races, you know? So, uh,
1: that's like the that's reminding me of just like thinking about you know all the the things that disabled folks need to succeed, but you know yeah. you, you had so many of them of, you know, they just need that push family out they, and, yeah, they and, just need
2: know. that push out the door, so to speak, you know
1: yeah and, and the and the right assistive tech and the the right, right. You know, exactly. supports
2: exactly and uh the other thing my mom and I were just kind of revisiting earlier was. Uh, the fact that she kind of needed some other sort of encouragement to kind of you know push the envelope on that part you know and Mm -hmm. one of the things that she always remembered was every time she or every time we would show up to physical therapy there was another uh, girl that was my age uh, that had spina bifida Mm. and she noticed that her mother would make her uh use her walker i think she also had a walker but she would make her walk from the car to the inside of the building and you know it took a while but it was it's just one of those things that you know was necessary uh to encourage strength and movement you know so Mm Uh, mm-hmm. and she finally was like, okay, I got to do that too. And so okay. she was like, okay, you're gonna, you're gonna walk. I'm not going to carry you, you know? So, <laughs> and so it was just stuff like that, that she just had the bravery and, you know, courage to do certain things like that. And that really kind of continued that sort of foundation for my independence, you know? Yeah.
0: So. I'm, I'm reminded of so much uh, touchstones to my own story uh, but also did you say you were born in 81 yes also born in 81 oh no way um,
1: yeah amazing uh, um
0: mm-hmm. also my parents have told this story for years and now i've told it uh they had a doctor at Scottish Wright Hospital in Dallas walk in when I was like eight weeks old, ten weeks old, and say, this child is going to do everything everybody else does. There's nothing wrong with his brain. He's going <laughs> to be super whip smart. And granted, this doctor never met my parents, didn't know them from Adam, just... <laughs> knew that that's what he needed to say and the fact that they were that lucky to get that doctor at that moment when they could have gotten the 12 other dudes in the hallway that would have said different things is really that first push and yeah i mean and you can ask back then i uh, both this uh because sometimes as a disability activist, there is a, there is a tension between the rehabilitative industry and disability and kind of letting us express our own embodiment in our own ways. Yeah. But I wouldn't be able to be the rabble-rousing uh, activist that I am today without good therapist that said you know it's you move or you die (laughs)
1: Mm
2: -hmm. it's very real yeah it is very very real you're right about that
1: now and my you know slightly different but you know similar version of that was um the uh, folks at my state uh, board of education and services for the blind that the, the way that my parents I don't think it literally happened like this but the way my parents uh, you know tell it is you know they, they just learned that their daughter was legally blind and and was likely to remain so, and they're trying to figure out like what on earth are, are is life going to look like? What are we doing next? And my first braille teacher showed up on their doorstep with a box of braille books, braille children's books, and and some shape games, and was like, "You're gonna hang out with your kids, <laughs> and here's here's some better tools to do it." Amazing. And yeah, like it, it's just you know as, as much as. Yeah, the, the rehabilitation system can be really fraught and and not always the best thing for us. I, I think there's a lot of ways in which uh I think especially for children, um there have been some some really good things developed to to give us tools that we need to, to thrive and push us to make sure that we develop the the potentials that we have.
2: Yes, most definitely.
1: Most of you. So yeah, so Seth, you, you <clears throat> had, you know, kind of that upbringing of, of, uh, you know, lots of, of support and, uh, and, and tools and, you know, uh, as you grew up, uh, kind of what, what directions, uh, did, did, your life take you? Where, where did you, uh, kind of channel some of your, your energies of, uh, the things that, that you were, um.
2: Well, I mean, mean, they um, they put me in public schools, um, and I I ended up going to uh, Patrick Henry for elementary school here in Tulsa, which was amazing. Um, I lucked out, and I had um, not only amazing teachers but also amazing friends Mm. uh, from the get-go. You know, even in you know preschool, elementary school, um, and uh some sometimes they would they would fight over who would get to help me from class to class because i would get to leave early you know <laughs> yeah. checks
1: out yeah so, uh,
2: yeah I, I i i accepted bribes sometimes but no, no i'm just joking <laughs> um, but yeah oh, i totally did That's <laughs> i would
1: not I judge too. you if you did <laughs> <laughs>
2: But yeah, so that was, you know, always a, an amazing experience. I, you know, I got involved in Cub Scouts at an early age. Um, I was also a honorary member of the baseball team starting in um, God, I think it was second or third grade. I think we had two or three baseball teams for our age group at the elementary school. And so I, I was a part of one of them and I was the official uh team manager and uh statistics keeper nice. so got to do all sorts of fun stuff with that I even got to play a couple of games uh they put me in the outfield you know and <laughs> and I actually got to uh uh go go to uh at bat a couple of times on some makeup games and whacked a couple balls over the shortstop's head and made mouths drop and you know yeah. things like nice. that. um so you know that was always really fun
1: mm-hmm.
2: um and the scouting thing was always a, a big big thing for us because both of my parents took it upon themselves to be the uh leaders of our group that we had mm. and so we would have meetings at the house i think it was it was like once a week you know when school was in we would be at our house in the garage with all the all the guys and, and doing that thing so yeah, that was a, you know, big, big, big part for me was all that. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, uh, it was when I got to the fifth grade was when I had my last uh, surgery that I've had and I had surgery on my feet and that one was pretty intense. So I had both of my uh, Achilles tendons worked on mm. and then one of the major tendons that runs over the top of my left foot, they did a transfer of it to kind of correct some pronation things, and yeah. so I was actually in a wheelchair for I want to say it was about three months after that surgery, mm-hmm. and then I had to basically teach myself how to walk again after that. So, yeah. so that was the mm-hmm. major uh, medical procedure that I've had for my disability was, was I was I think I was twelve years old, so. Mm.
0: It's always kind of interesting to me because you can chart the era somebody with disability grew up in by the surgeries that they had that are no longer performed. Um, You mentioned having your hamstrings done. Yeah. I had that done at three and at twelve, and twelve was way too late to have that done again, because I three, I was young enough not to remember anything. Right. And twelve, I remembered everything, and man, yeah, there's a reason they don't do that anymore. That, well, I'll just say it, that bitch hurt a lot. Uh, <laughs> I'm just... But yeah, yeah I think mean, that's yeah, you can chart the almost like uh geologic time. You can chart the era somebody grew up in by that sort of stuff. Yeah. Totally. I... <clears throat> so um I you have other uh, fascinating aspect as you get older that we're going to touch on in a minute but yeah. something that fascinates me with two with a twin brother myself and an older brother who were both able-bodied I'm always intrigued by what your sibling what you know of your sibling's experience of your disability was it a was it a conscious thing in your family dynamic um how is it approached that you know of
2: you said with my with my siblings
0: yeah i am no. just all, always intrigued by the family dynamic how that how that is approached
2: yeah i mean it was a. Uh... I mean I I don't know what do you call it like an all hands on deck thing sometimes um where they even re- my my siblings even remind me that they have memories of uh especially when I was younger they would you know sometimes help me get my get my orthotics on just to be on time to go to school kind of thing you know because I'd be running behind and things like that and and that's another thing that um know my, my mother and i were talking about earlier was there there came a time where i mean that that was just something that she she did for me was she helped you know when i was really young she helped me get my orthotics and my shoes on all the time and then it got to the point where she was like okay you're gonna do this all by yourself today kind of thing you know and so she really was a big part of you know uh instilling uh personal independence in me and and same with my siblings mm. you know, they, they would kind of mm. stand their ground and and be like nope you're gonna do that you know and um uh, mm-hmm. because sometimes I would you know I would just be in a lazy mode and I'd I'd ask them to you know bring me something from across the room or something like that and they'd be like no you can go get it you know kind of thing you know so that yeah. and it was always with love you know and and that you know, that instilled a lot in me and, and, you know, made me who I am today. So, mm-hmm. well, so there I was, always... it, it was always a, you know, it was always a healthy, but, um, you know, encouraging dynamic.
1: That's awesome. I, yeah. I, I don't know if, uh, if either of you re- relate to this, but I, so I have, uh, an older brother and, uh, you know, I I think that in many ways he had like in my childhood, both like the the best like uh you know, awareness of like, you know, your your little sister can't see and like that's you know, that yeah. impacts how she relates to the world and how you need to take care of her. And mm-hmm. also just the most, yeah, but she can do anything. <laughs> Yeah, like, she can do all of the things, and that's why I can tease her in exactly the same way that I would if she was if uh, if she were sighted. <laughs> like, no, that's true. I I always yeah. felt like our our sibling dynamic I'm, I'm sure was affected. I know it was affected by my disability, but like yeah, I I think sometimes siblings have uh, maybe the, the so a, a very full view of us as. Uh, disability is is normal you know yeah, disability has yeah, always like a, been part of who we are
2: <laughs> yeah it's almost like a sixth sense sort of thing
1: yeah mm-hmm.
2: yeah and I definitely experienced that and then you know we always the other thing is we always have had a great sense of humor about everything which mm. is another thing that I was taught very early on you know was just having a good sense of humor just about life in general you know Mm-hmm. So and I, I definitely learned. I, I definitely gained a lot of my sense of humor from my father. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: I'm, uh, I'm I'm blessed and also cursed with that. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs>
0: um. So I will confess to our um, audience that uh, one of the reasons I was so uh, drawn to Seth. For the show and as a friend, I've always had a, uh, uh, for a kid that grew up with a state judge and an elementary school principal and administrator, mm-hmm. um, who knew that I would be the uh, the type of guy to be the medical cannabis uh, advocate in my <laughs> world uh, growing up in Lubbock, Texas.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I've always had an affinity and a, a, an interest in that. And when we did uh, the anti-ableism training that my wife and I did, and I met you, mm-hmm. uh, Dylan said that you have a a history in cannabis and a uh, an interest in in that and did that for a while and also to be frank a uh, story of recovery that may not may or may not be related to uh, any of the can the cannabis work you did but no. all that to say i am i'm very tempted to just say we're fascinated go um, no. No.
2: yeah yes yeah, so- but yeah yeah, feel free Mm -hmm. okay yeah um so you know i i kind of discovered cannabis in high school like a lot of normal kids Mm -hmm. um but it was never you know at the time never of any real quality and Mm -hmm. i kind of got to be older and i you know i figured out you know better ways to obtain better things kind of thing um so you know, there was a point where I wasn't really using it uh, sort of responsibly, you know, as most young mm-hmm. people probably do um, and then and and I'll just you know i'll I'll just delve right into this part of it and then I after I had my first year at uh, University of Oklahoma, uh, you know i I had kind of too much fun and it was just uh. Sort of that first real taste of pure independence, you know, mm-hmm. and like a lot of kids, you know, it it just didn't didn't work the way everybody wanted it to, you know. And I didn't quite make my grades and that sort of thing. And then uh, I had to come back home mm-hmm. and uh, had to figure out, you know, a way to sort of you know build back. And then I I kind of slipped in into a state of just depression and that also led into me uh at the time i was kind of using uh opioid painkillers uh recreationally Mm. and then Mm. that that led into me having a full-on addiction problem with opiates Mm. and so Mm. things uh you know they didn't go so well for a while for obvious reasons and um and, that, and that's, you know, one thing that I, when I can, I try to be like open and honest about in my experience with all of that. Um, and so it was, you know, it was a struggle for a while uh, with all of that. And, and it, it, it changed who I was mm-hmm. as a person, you know, in terms of just not only how I carried myself, but just how I interacted with my friends and family you know and uh but in turn i you know i learned a lot about myself once i got a handle on it and mm. I, finally, I i finally found a proper road to recovery and i also found a really awesome mental health expert my my first real th- uh ther- well she, she's actually my second one so i ended up going to a lady you know to just try and get some help you know professionally um, mm-hmm. and I think it was after our first or second visit she just looked me in the eye and she said you need to go see Della Blackburn and that was her mm-hmm. business partner at the time and she had you know a practice in the same office and it was her that really kind of put me in my place you know and yeah. and taught me how mm-hmm. to be with myself which is
1: mm.
2: the ultimate goal when you're trying to get out of that sort of situation you know and um so that you know that took a lot of work and time and a little bit of suffering you know mm. um but thankfully like i've you know been talking about i have the most amazing family and they they really were behind me 100 percent the whole way and so that that played a big part in it um and so uh I you know I, I got on suboxone treatment for a while but that was just you know it was it was a tool but it was also like another thing to just kind of like that took hold of you I guess and so there's sort of you know things that you have to experience to get out or to get off of that medication, you know. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And so that's when I kind of uh, reevaluated my relationship with cannabis. Was when I was trying to uh, get off of Suboxone because mm-hmm. it's you know it's a whole nother beast and and so mm-hmm. I, I finally found a way to use cannabis responsibly and in a more healthy way to sort of, uh, alleviate some of the, uh, was, I mean, I was having, you know, it was withdrawal symptoms from Suboxone Sure, I was trying yeah. to get off of it. And so that's when I really kind of, uh, started to respect that sort of medication. I call it medication because it is a medication if you use it correctly. And sure. It's also not for everybody, but it also has a lot of efficacy. If, if it's, produced and then consumed properly. And so uh, it was, and it was around that time when I I had a a sort of groundbreaking moment where I had, uh, I mean, it was, you know, my best friend, uh, he passed away, Uh, this was was like in my early thirties. And it was just a, you know, a freak, a medical thing mm. and, but anyway it brought a whole a lot of us together uh back home and I ended up reconnecting with another good friend of mine that we grew up with and you know uh all through school and he was involved in that industry at the time out in California and so mm. fast forward another year uh we kind of went into business together and we started a, uh, an extraction or con- you know, concentrates company, uh, alongside the cultivation company that he was developing at the time. And so I had the opportunity to, uh, relocate out to Los Angeles and basically helped him start a whole nother company from the ground up and, and develop a brand around it. And, and he kind of like gave me a lot of creative control which was really fun and and I I learned uh, a whole lot through that experience and so yeah that's that's been my relationship with it um uh and 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 my experience out in California just I mean it it changed so much in terms of my perspective on the world and people and friends and i and i ended up making uh an insane amount of of new best friends you know i, I lose one best friend but then i gained uh, i would say over a, a couple of hundred more from that mm. from that experience and then also being brave enough to want to try and go out there and do all of that sort of thing so sure so no. that you know that that really you know changed me for the better that whole experience you know
1: yeah Uh, i'm I'm hearing in in your story you know a a number of of moments of of change and and transition and yeah you know some of these really low points and and really you know really challenging and and painful things Mm -hmm. that you know then you're you were also eventually able to figure out you know okay what's uh, find you know do the the hard work and the and the self-discovery yeah. and and make the big changes and mm-hmm. and yeah and I'm, I'm hearing that you know cannabis the this medicine has been you know part of that for you but,
2: yeah and, and 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 in terms of like uh using it uh, as a medicine nowadays I really uh the only the only time I really utilize it now is when i am trying to uh you know do my stretches and things like that because it I, mm. I mean and i can I, I can attest to this it actually does have a relieving effect in terms of my spasticity mm-hmm. and so you know the the mild forms of pain management that i need you know and it's yeah. such a uh, or just a, a much more safer alternative to any sort of narcotics.
1: Well, that's, yeah, I, I've very much seen that in, in yeah. a lot of the disability communities that I'm in. I, I have uh, close friends and, and family members who live with chronic pain, mm-hmm. who cannabis is, is their medicine. Um, right you know wh- whether they are able to to have a card or not you know or, right. or whether it's it's allowed and where they live like it is the thing that they can take to relieve pain that yeah. isn't going to have the the same risks as mm-hmm. as opioids and, yes. and some of these other things
2: yes very much so and you know a lot of what i a lot of what i utilize these days is um uh, there's you know tinctures and stuff that you can take orally and I try to find the ones that have a uh, a one-to-one ratio that are even mm-hmm. amounts of the THC and also the CBD in them uh, and that's that's kind of the sort of magic formula that I've found uh, that works for me you know uh, and it, I, I you know and that, that's how I utilize it a lot these days is i i will you know use some tincture before i go to my my workout with my friend that i train with and he he helps me do stretches that i can't do on my own and those aren't so fun and uh, (laughs) a little painful Mm -hmm. and so that that sort of thing really does help and he he even noticed it too he's just like wow like you can get up off the floor easier you know when when that's in in play so uh
1: one thing I'm wondering about is, you know, because of, you know, the differing legal statuses of cannabis across the U S and uh-huh. other places, like, I, I feel like a lot of people are using it medicinally and not everybody has, you know, all of the information that, you know, say if, if it were, uh, you know, in, in a drugstore with, you know, yeah. a medical label on it or, or a doctor's prescription, you know, yeah. we not everybody has all of the information that they they would need to know how to take it most effectively. And, and yeah. you mentioned one thing about, you know, the the formula, but like are there any other things that people should be considering or, or thinking about? Um or or risks as well. You know, I I know uh, cannabis is, is often seen as as a very, very low risk substance, but
2: yeah, yeah, and no, I um I would say it's more low risk when it's taken orally, Mm. for sure. I mean, obviously, smoking something is not the healthiest way to consume anything. Sure. Uh, Mm. So, and that that was the other thing that I was a big kind of advocate for when I was doing the concentrates uh, thing, Mm. was that when you actually uh, vaporize and consume concentrates at the appropriate temperature, uh, it's, uh, and it, it's so much healthier than just the traditional, you know, smoking a joint aspects, cause mm. you're, you're taking out so many more carcinogens and it's just, it doesn't come Healthy. into play. Yeah. So there's, there's been a lot of, uh, things that have been learned in that sort of field over the last 10 years, you know, since I started getting into that port, you know, that portion of it. Mm-hmm. Um, So yeah, they're, they're definitely making strides in terms of, you know, giving people options to consume it, you know, in a more healthy manner, that's not really going to hurt your body, um, like smoking would. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of things that are being learned, but like you just said, there's just still a lot of things holding us back in terms of making it legal federally for number one I mean it's still illegal federally so that part is frustrating and it you know there's a lot of things that play in that part of the realm uh that are you know it's just there's only so much we can do and we can just continue to lobby and educate people and that's Mm -hmm. that's the only kind of way forward there and I think we'll eventually get there but it's Again, it's just going to take kind of an act of God and the right person in power to push us past that point, you know. And th- and but thankfully, the states have really, you know, taken sort of <laughs> mm-hmm. to, to you know to say the high road in terms of um, <laughs> you know making <clears throat> making a point to give people access, you know. And and I love that Oklahoma did that uh, finally, and and I was able to to be involved here when I moved back and and that was really, really fun and fulfilling. So, you know, we're, we're getting there. It's just taking a a little bit more time and a little bit more hard work than I think we were planning on, but uh, it's, it's, it's coming around and I think that um, there just needs to be a little less greed and a lot more science involved in that world and I, and I think that we will get there eventually and, and it will be uh, a universal thing to you know to have access to it you know if, if you are of age and that's the other thing is i i do believe that there's a certain age group that you know and whether it's the drinking age of 21 or whatever um i think that that's a more appropriate age for somebody to be able to have a complete access and and a little bit
1: more brain a little bit more developed
2: (laughs) yeah exactly so so yeah we're we're getting there and 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 it's just been a real pleasure to uh make a lot of uh connections in that world with people that really uh respect it and know what they're doing you know and so i i I am uh happy to say that you know I, i i have a lot of good um relationships with people in that industry Mm that, that I, you know, stay in touch with and, and I'm, I'm not necessarily involved in it professionally anymore. Uh, but it's definitely something that I'm always, uh, keeping in touch with and trying to stay at the forefront, you know?
0: Yeah.
2: It does, does fascinate me in, in, in all things, you know?
0: So, so I'm, I'm curious, um, and this might be a uh, take just a minute and we're getting to the point where I know we need to land the plane because it's mm-hmm. late for, uh, we usually record in the daytime. So uh-huh. it might be a, li- a little loose at night uh, palsy <laughs> with palsies. Uh, but I am curious, do you think, and the, the answer is no, It's fine, but something that I find particularly interesting is uh, whether you think your positions um, and experience having dealt with opioid struggles and addiction and using cannabis as sort of that bridge treatment to get off the more intense uh uh treatment drugs does that give you a different and perhaps more nuanced perspective on the cannabis question and somebody that may be advocating for it for different reasons
2: yeah i i would say so very much so um And the and the other thing that I was, or or that I have been sort of exercising the idea is to actually try and uh, get into the mental health world as Mm -hmm. a professional. Um, And I've been, you know, doing some research and talking with my current health mental health professional about trying to get into that world in wh- whether it's in the recovery world or just the overall you know mental health world because i i truly believe that that's a another uh huge part of uh the recovery process is just finding yeah. finding somebody that you can open up to and be mm-hmm. honest with aside from yourself you know and because yeah. uh, i know that that was the other major player in me uh, you know getting out of that funk was was finding the right mental health professional so mm-hmm. i think i think combining those two is gonna be a huge wave forward you know and mm-hmm. and and you know cannabis is, like i said it's not for everybody but it's definitely going to be a tool uh, for a lot of people if used mm-hmm. pro- if used properly and responsibly.
1: Yeah, so. and absolutely. I'm, and I'm hearing in in what you were just saying about mental health, like it's you know it, it's also not the answer to to everything. You know, right? I mean, you you couldn't. It sounds like you couldn't have you know made your recovery with cannabis alone. You you no no not there. at all. You, you yeah. needed to to process things. And, yes. And, but yeah, used in conjunction with with these other tools. You know, it's, it's yeah. one one tool that people can have in their toolbox for many different things that they might be going through.
2: Yes. Very much so. Well
0: go ahead, Becca.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, as as we are uh getting in towards uh land in the plane, as we as we like to say yeah. here, um, I guess you know, kind of my my last uh question for for you Seth might be you know um what what do you or or what would you say you know in addition to, to some of the things we, we've already said to to folks who are are hesitant about uh or or opposed to um medical uses for for cannabis and and maybe especially you know in the in the disability community if, if somebody has uh, reservations about that um are, are there particular uh things that that you say to people or or you know, science that you point them towards
2: yeah i mean uh, definitely baby steps first mm. and 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 try and, and try and find somebody that that knows what they're talking about if you don't know anything about it you know mm. whether you know whether it be just uh, somebody that works at a dispensary or you know something like that like try and you know seek out somebody that seems like they actually know what they're talking about yeah and uh, definitely if, if you're a uh, a new user try and not get something that is very strong to mm-hmm. start with try and find something that has i would say at least a one-to-one ratio um because that's going to be a a Uh, a more pleasant and not terrifying experience because you know it it can be very strong in terms of a a psychotropic effects for somebody that's never tried it before so Mm. definitely try and toe in the pond before you jump in you know because that that's that's where you're gonna i think see the you know better benefits is when you go about it that way so and 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 be careful with edibles, they're strong kids. Uh, <laughs> go, go with the low dose ones, you know. Don't eat the whole bag. <laughs> or you might find pieces without you know planning on it. <laughs>
1: oh, <my goodness. laughs>
0: we we're, we're big fans of moderate um, moderate adventures and moderate exploration on this show so well done my friend well done
1: <laughs> We're happy to for, for everyone to, to find Jesus in their own way but also maybe know that you're uh, <laughs> in that direction first <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, okay.
0: whoa. Well. Becca, you want to land this plane for us?
1: Yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Seth. This has been just a really wonderful conversation, and it's it's so good to to get to learn more about you. and And I am sure that uh, our listeners uh, learn so much from this conversation.
2: Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's been an absolute pleasure, and I yeah, I, I was really looking forward to this. This has been a lot of fun, guys.
1: Awesome and listeners uh you can find uh palsies with palsies anywhere that you can find podcasts we are on apple podcasts we are on amazon music we are uh hosted on simplecast uh we are on just all of the spotify all of the the podcatcher apps none of which come to my mind whenever i have to do this outro Uh, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) we are so happy that uh that you've joined us and so happy to to have seth here thank you again uh, thank you Seth thank you Justin thank you all for listening take care put some good in the world
0: bye guys